Welcome to the RuPaul Drag Race Recap for All-Stars, Season 2, Episode 5, titled Revenge of the Queens. My name is Daniel Brewer, and I am joined, as always, by two vengeful co-hosts from the podcast. From the podcast? From the podcast, catching up. Please welcome Joseph J. Batance. It's actually Joseph A. Batance. <laughs> the what? A stands for... Asshole. <laughs> I was going to go for Alaska or something. Oh, two. I like being in the. I like being in this seat. I like being in the passenger seat, and you do all the heavy lifting. Uh, well, actually, you wrote it, so that was the heavy lifting. I'm just parroting back. No, so what's happening is we're having some internet problems at the Motel Six where Joe Batanz is holed up right now for uh, witness protection problem uh, reasons. Uh, I probably shouldn't announce that, should I? Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, we're we're switching off roles here tonight because we were having some Skypey issues, and uh, this hopefully shall alleviate them. Spe- alleviate them. Alleviate them. Speaking of Skypey issues, from the podcast, Pod is my co-pilot. Please say hello to Taylor, the latte boy. Heavy lifting was my nickname in college. Oh, <laughs> mm, I can see you on video. I think it's still your name. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> bitch. Oh. Oh, wow. I, ironically, I was looking through old pictures tonight, and I was much heavier at one point than I am now. I'm still a big boy, but I was surprised. It's amazing how over time, as you, you slowly lose weight, either on purpose or due to diabetic issues, <laughs> that you don't realize just quite how large you were. Fascinating. Actually, it was the opposite for me. Up until 25, I was thin. And then... You know, you stop walking around the college all the time. I went to college till I was 28. You stop walking around college. Wait, I'm back in college. What am I talking I say, about? Yeah, you're, I'm 42 you're... and in college. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you're walking around the, you're not walking around the college all the time. And then I was at a, like an office job. And the next thing you know, it was like, I looked in the mirror and I was, uh, Jiminy Glick. You will, <laughs> you will never be a contestant on Finding Prince Charming. This week, the eliminated queens return. Oh, yeah, I can't hide. <laughs> there's no need to find me there there he is <laughs> i keep trying to run away from robot sepulveda yeah. uh, all right uh this week the eliminated queens return for a chance to rejoin the competition and eliminate one of the remaining queens each of the returning queens paired up with the remaining queen and performed in a stand-up comedy challenge in front of other contestants Tatiana and Alyssa Edwards were named as the top two returning queens, while Roxy Andrews and Fifi O'Hara were relegated to the bottom. In a dual lip sync for both their legacies and their lives, Alyssa and Tatiana went head-to-head in one of the most memorable lip syncs in drag race history. In the end, both girls shantayed and stayed, and unanimously sent Fifi O'Hara home packing. Ladies, name two things you loved and one thing you didn't love on this episode, Taylor the Latte Boy. I would say one of the things I loved was the lip sync. The lip sync was amazing for a multitude of reasons, but just the, the end result of both of them being back on the show and that, that was, that was great. Uh, I would say the other thing that I loved is watching a character like Fifi O'Hara have a complete mental breakdown <laughs> over the course of a 42 minute show. As horrible as that is to actually admit, it was quite enjoyable. Um, as far as the thing that I didn't like this show, Stop being the victim, Taylor. Stop being the victim. I, just, just you know, Taylor, just stop. You, you know, you can be. And the you know, victim. I'm I'm done talking about this, which well, means okay. I'm going to talk about it for another ten minutes. Um, I, 
I, I, I don't know. There wasn't really a whole lot that I didn't like about the episode. This might have been one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Yeah, you said that on One on One with Larry Flick on Satellite yeah. Sirius Radio, Sirius Satellite Radio the other day. Uh, Joe Batanz, name two things you loved and one of the things you didn't like about this episode. I loved seeing the old queens in the audience. <laughs> can you name? Can you name five? Yeah, let me see. Uh, Mrs. Kasha Davis. Yes. Laganja Stranja Mama. Yes. Pork Chop. Yes. Alexis Mateo. I don't know. Yeah, she was yes. there. Yes, okay. She was there. That's why Alaska made the BAM joke. <laughs> and then, how many do I have so far? You have four. four. And then I'm going to throw oh my God. in... We were just talking about Jaden Yeah, I mean, he was Fierce. having all of his issues. We were literally vivacious. just talking about uh, Jaden Dior Fierce right before we were... I said vivacious. I know, vivacious. Okay, I will accept It that. makes me sad that no one on any of these shows or any of these recap shows mentions poor Nicole Page Brooks that she was there too. <laughs> I didn't see her. I didn't see her. And I've seen it three times. So she must have just been there and gone really fast. It was just like, yeah. Uh, so what was the one thing that you didn't like about the, uh, the episode, Joe? The episode. <laughs> Did you really not like the episode? No, I love the episode. I love okay. the episode. I'm kidding. Um, one thing I didn't love. Um, that's a tough one. The comedy acts. Yeah. I think I think the one thing I didn't love on the episode was the editing of those comedy acts, like going out to the commercial break, making them seem like they bombed, and then coming back and playing the exact same routines and making them. And Taylor was pointing out that's basically his problem that he has with the acting challenges. But yeah, that to me is just kind of like, just just stop fucking, stop fucking with us. Fuck with them, but don't fuck with us. Anyway, it, it's neither here nor there. Uh, the next day, after Alyssa's elimination and return... RuPaul delivered the week's maxi challenge to all of the assembled girls in the workroom. Time for the returning queens to get their revenge. And I can't wait to see who gets the last laugh. Oh, God. Because for this week's all-star maxi challenge, you'll be doing a stand-up comedy show. And you'll be doing it... With Joe Batanz. In pairs. Oh, <laughs> the top two returning queens will lip sync for $10,000 and the power to give one of the bottom queens the chop. But most importantly, get the right to return to the competition. This week's episode centered around Fifi O'Hara. Let's take a look at her storyline in this episode. Back in the workroom immediately after last week's stunning mirror moment, Fifi and Alyssa have words with one another. Before we go on, Fifi obviously has a lot to say. I mean, if you want to act all foolish in front of the cameras, we could. But you said yourself it's not personal, it's drag. These are my opinions. So why couldn't you say that to me, though? I didn't need to. I was You're that there. girl. I knew you were. You know what? You're looking foolish by sitting there acting like I a child. So you, you know can what? do that, and that'll be cute. I'm done. Let yeah. me just respond to this real quick. I ain't never been nobody to not be 100 to the face. I didn't throw you or you under the bus. Did I say everything I said to you, to y'all? Did I not over there? You did. You Thank did. you. All right, you can play the victim. Go ahead. I just think my issue has been standing there hearing I, I throw people on the bus. That's not me. That's not my gig. Never has been. Never will be. I said I felt. Now, if you want to sit there and talk shit about how I'm feeling, then that just speaks on your character. I said I felt coming relax, from sitting baby, there relax. that you Take were sitting there. Sweet. Don't try to play the victim, boo. Everything I heard and knew about her, I'm glad she validated it. Bro, you can say whatever you want, but you know what? I played fair. I played who I thought Rue was going to go home. So do not get mad because I said that I was going to play it that way. During the Maxi Challenge practice the next day, Alyssa complains to Coco Montrese about Alyssa Edwards. 
I'm gonna be honest with you, I think it's only one person in this room that feels that way about me. And I think that's bullshit. Like, this yeah. beef with Alyssa? I didn't come here for that. I mean, I've worked so hard with how to control things, and I almost let someone bring me back to that unhappy place. Yeah, but this is the thing. Focus on you, because mama gotta go to work. The next day, Fifi and Alyssa attempted to bury the hatchet. Can we talk? Mm-hmm. Like when I said last week, it was just how I was feeling in that moment. The only thing that bothered me is like, I've never been one to like throw people under the bus. When in fact, people in your season, that's exactly what they said. You did the whole season. No, actually, if you ask everybody and they admit it, even Alaska, that Sharon threw me under the bus. I didn't throw anybody under the bus. Here's my thing. If someone's going to own up to being the bitch role, just be unapologetic. But that's not how my intentions were. But you, you know were the I mean? name calling. You called me a victim. Okay, well, from my side, that's what it looked like. And you know what? The costume thing, let's be real. Have they not said already before, like, it's okay because it's you. You can fart on stage and they're just going to be like, oh, it's okay, it's you. But let's be real. We all got different drags. Alaska's drag wouldn't look I'm good on me. I'm not saying that, but... but Your drag wouldn't look good on me. I feel like it my words are kind of twisted. No, that's I not do. what I mean. Look, we can squash it, girl. I love what you do, so I'm like... I don't want to sit here and fight with you. Done. Now give me a hug. This is stupid, and I'm glad it's squashed. And I'm glad that we were able to find, like, this happy medium. Like, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> and I get away from my station. <laughs> that hug was like Obama hugging Donald Trump. Uh-uh. I ain't buying it. Joe Batance, what did you think of Fifi O'Hara yes. and Alyssa Edwards? I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you how you know shit is bad. When Coco Montrese is the one telling you, like, ugh, get over it with Alyssa already, <laughs> you know that you're just talking way too much shit about Alyssa. Um, you know, it's one of these things where, like, Fifi needs to... Okay, let me tell you this. I am so sick. I don't want to talk about this Fakata contract anymore. I'm sick of it. But I will say... Look, they can eliminate whoever they want. You know, whether someone agreed to this then or something, whether the contract is valid, I don't care. They can eliminate whomever they want, whomever they see fit, and that's the way it is. And uh, that's Joe Batanz for you. <laughs> there you go. So you just agree with however they edit the show. That's what they need to do. Yeah. But, I mean, I, All right. but did you think that Fifi was being sincere in burying the hatchet with Alyssa at least? No. <laughs> But that's what they wanted us to. All right, all right, got nothing. Uh, Taylor, what did I you? Go, I don't. Yeah. What are we? Are we losing? All right, we're uh, say goodbye, Joe Batanz. Goodbye, everybody. We'll try and work on this on these uh, issues later. Goodbye. <laughs> tell me to tell me to sashay away, Joe Batanz. Your commentary was delicious, but your connection was rancid. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't even know. I was trying to make a taco reference. I Joe Batanz. Wait, oh, what would you be? <laughs> you're trying to be a Mexican, but in fact, right now, you're a Mexican't. Oh, there you go. Taylor Latte Boy there with the thing. Now sashay away. You're always an all-star, Joe. Always and forever, Joe Batant. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to put detox laughing like a maniac. Like, Because <laughs> she's so uncomfortable. Uh, goodbye, Joe Batant. Goodbye. Taylor Latte Boy, what did you think of Fifi and Alyssa's uh, storyline here? Well, first of all, I disagree with everything Joe Patance ever said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that that was the smartest thing Alyssa could have done. I, I 
I said on my solo show, I guess two weeks ago, that she is definitely of all of them the most the, the, the most fiercest competitor. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I like her the best. And I think she saw an opportunity to completely fuck with Fifi and went for it. I mean, how could you not go for it at that point when you go, I'm sorry, you were just saying some things, but I don't think I heard everything that you said. Watching Fifi, I will say this, as much as we talk about editing, yes, you could see all of the hamsters and all of the gerbils spinning their <laughs> wheels in Fifi's head over the course of all where they kept flashing back to her for those quick, quick shots. And you could see that she was being fucked with by the producers. She was being fucked with by the other contestants. She was being fucked over by life. It, it, all of it. You were just watching all of these emotions go all over her face. It was heaven to watch. Now, that being said, as I, I said on uh, Sirius, there is something kind of tragic about this because I think that she did come on with the best of intentions. And I think that her ego or just the, the reality of who she is as a person got the best of her over the course of the over the course of this, particularly this episode. Yeah, I it was I think it was Alyssa that in one of her confessional moments referenced the redemption arc. Like, this must be something that Fifi was talking about with the contestants at the time of the show. Like, remember, yeah. we had that mirror moments with her where she was talking about how she was trying to redeem herself for everything. But apparently this must be an ongoing conversation that she's having with them because Alyssa referenced it in her diary moment. Like, I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you think you're going to get a redemption arc or you think you're going to. She's so worried about, you know, how she's being portrayed that she's not playing the game or she's not, you know, she's getting too much in her head, blah, blah, blah. So. Clearly, there was a lot of things going on with Fifi here that it's really tough. I, I think I even said this in my solo show, solo show. It's really tough to feel sorry for Fifi after the fact, after watching this episode and realizing how much of the stuff is really just she made it up. You know, she she brought it on herself. Yeah, like, we, we ta- we've talked since the beginning of this season. Yeah, at least I know I was. I was rooting for her. I was genuinely hoping that we would see a difference. And for a while it looked like we were, and then you were just slowly watching that chip away over the course of really what amounts to a couple of days. Right. And, yeah, and it's with their shooting schedule. Yeah. It's one of those things. There's like ginger didn't give them this stuff. Ginger censored herself. So they couldn't give her a villain edit, but it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to end your stay on all-star that way, then, and you're going to have this, you know, this big bitchy fight with another queen, then yeah, you, Congratulations. You're now the villain. You're, you're now, you've now given the editors enough to work with that they can like, you know, punch up that storyline. So whether they fucked with their storyline or not, I think it's clear now that the most they could really be accused of here is just punching it up. Right. Yeah. It's like just adding a little bit of extra spice and drama to it. But it was, it was very clear by the things that we saw happen, things that you cannot fake in editing. Right. It's very clear that, you know, Fifi had, she, Alyssa fucked with her head there. I mean, that whole thing. So, um. well, and I find it interesting that the scene where she says to Alyssa, can I talk to you for a minute? Was very reminiscent of the infamous Fifi Sharon fight with the go back to party city where you belong. You tired ass showgirl, all that kind of stuff. And I almost kind of expected it to end the same way. Um, I know that there's been discussion as far as how the, uh, how that how that fight was kind of manipulated by the producers of the show um, or that discussion rather. And you can almost see at one point after she hugs Alyssa, she looks pretty much directly at the camera <laughs> and she looks kind of at that where she almost does a, okay, I said what you wanted me to say. We did what we wanted to do, like leave it alone sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I want to kind of go, cause we don't have a, a, a lot. 
before we get to the the actual challenge, the comedy challenge, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Fifi, just from the standpoint of there's been a lot of meta stuff that has happened with Fifi outside of the show that we have followed. Right? We've seen her Twitter meltdowns. We've seen that Rue, you know, unfollowed her on Twitter and did a you know a a, a snarky reply to her, and I guess that has continued on here. And Fifi went and gave an interview to Vulture where she was. You know, going on and on about how she was standing, you know, oh, well, the producers told her to stand here so that she could see the mirror. And then they asked her questions about Alyssa. And, you know, and so they 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 purposely engineered that to make it look like she was bitching about Alyssa while Alyssa was standing right there. But she was just answering questions. Oh, poor her. How, you know, how dare she be portrayed this way? But so I just want to talk, have this really weird meta discussion. I guess not weird, but this meta discussion about consistency. There was a behind-the-scenes video that Logo posted last week of the queens getting ready to come back for that mirror shot. Mm-hmm. So it was Tatiana, Coco, and Ginger in their respective dressing rooms getting ready and speculating about what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. They just told me to be here and that I had to get ready to go out there. So I'm, you know, I know that we're supposed to, you know, be able to get our revenge. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we'll get a chance. You know, so they were all responding to that. And Coco was like, you know, I, I just want to see who's still here in the competition. I hope that Roxy's gone. You know, so she was cl- still harboring resentment towards Roxy at that point in time. Right. She just, it was a year later. No, that no, 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 on. no, no. This is the reveal. So this was, the, you know. Right. This, but I'm saying that that anger still is going on a year later. Right. It was a big meltdown. Okay. Go ahead. Correct. Sorry. But the thing that struck me. All right, so, so from Coco's perspective, I'm sorry. I know I'm all over the place here, but from Coco's perspective, she's been consistent. She was mad with Roxy then. She's mad with Roxy now. She cooled off for a few months, but then once she saw it aired on TV, you know, she reignited those feelings and she's been having a Twitter war with Roxy. And, uh, you know, so clearly that conflict happened then, like we can trace that back to the Genesis. Here's Coco, you know, show time four weeks after she got eliminated in real time, what, maybe five or six days after she got eliminated, maybe eight days after she got eliminated, you know, basically really pissed off at Roxy. And that's consistent. And I get that. And I understand that. The thing that I don't get is Fifi here. When you read Fifi's Vulture article, but then you see her elimination video with Michelle Visage where she's like, oh, I'm so happy that I could be here. And I'm so glad, you know, that I, the, these two things don't match, right? It's like she's, it seems like at the time she was fine with herself being eliminated and she thought that she had done well. And then once she started seeing the shows aired, she started building this narrative about how she was wronged and she was edited badly and stuff all the while knowing as i pointed out on the solo show that that we were going to see her throw a temper tantrum and walk off the you know and and get angry and leave at the end of the episode right have it have a ungraceful exit i guess you would say from the show yeah so i think there's a question in there so what do you think uh, i mean do you agree with that or you do you think that or did, did you not even maybe you didn't even see these no, I, I saw. I, I didn't see. The, I didn't see the the videos you're talking about. But I mean, I, I read the Vulture article, and I there's part of me that can understand some of her points that she talks about. But ultimately, again, it comes down to they gave she gave them uh, material to work with. She gave them the ability to kind of put the scary music under her and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, uh, one thing, and and I'm coming somewhere with this, but. One thing that you could look at is we had two distinct villains start the season mm-hmm. in that we had Fifi and we had Roxy. Yep. And when you watch the two of them, as far as their storylines, trajectories, whatever you want to call it, Roxy has stayed relatively low 
if if existent at all on the villain scale. Right. You know, Roxy is somebody that I'm rooting for now. Yeah. You know, and I, whereas Fifi, she just made it more and more difficult to do that. And when you're talking about things like I'm going to be, you know, I'm I'm angry at the show and I don't like the way I was treated and all that kind of stuff. Yet I did all of the promo stuff for right, it. Right, exactly. I, yeah. I performed at the MTV Awards in the meat dress that Lady Gaga wore. <laughs> you know, doing all that kind of stuff. It just, I mean, was that was there something where they they threatened to sue her before because she didn't show up for it? Was there, you know, it, it, the whole thing is just it feels very manipulated. That that's really the only way yeah. you can describe it. The whole thing feels like a manipulation, and I. It's inconsistent, which is my, my whole consistency. Yes. It's like her actions after the show do not belie that of someone who feels like they were wronged. Because now in her Vulture article, she's like, oh, I was mad that night. I was going to walk off. I told him that they either voted me off or I left. It's like she didn't have that demeanor yeah. on the show. In her after interview with Michelle Visage that they put on the Logo YouTube channel where she eliminates the just eliminated queen or whatever – um, she was happy. She was, you know, you know what I'm saying? She, she wasn't acting like someone who had, was going to walk off the show if they didn't vote her off. So I think this is all just like this bullshit, weird narrative that, that she's trying to spin that the evidence is just not consistent with. I feel like I should be playing the making a murderer <laughs> theme song or something. As we delve into the, uh, ever going, ongoing, uh, docu-series of Fifi O'Hara. I don't know. I got nothing. Hmm. I know in the Larry Flick show you were on, Larry's whole main contention is, is that you, you know, you don't, if you're really traumatized, you don't spend the time promoting your new album or your new single. That was a really good point. Too, yeah. yeah exactly. That magically, just as all of this came to a head, yeah. that's when Jeremy, yes, which is a, spells it in a stupid way, but that's neither here nor there, <laughs> you know, released his new album. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I really, really wanted Fifi to, be redeemed or redeemed or whatever you want to call it. And I just think the whole thing was just a big old mess. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Carey, I believe is the name that he's going by now. He also, I mean, he changed his Twitter header and everything to the, you know, now, to not be drag. And what uh, does this mean for 365 days of drag? Was that done know. or was there still, okay. I honestly was not that big of a Fifio era fan that I actually was following the 365 other than what people would occasionally post on Reddit. Like, Oh, this is a great one or something. I, I had no idea what day she was on. I don't know. I, I that's a, that is a very good question. Perhaps someone can write in and tell us. Yes. All right. Uh, we are now going into the comedy challenge, which there was no dra- There was no runway challenge this week. There was basically just the comedy challenge. You missed a clip. I'm not going to play that one. That's a ginger. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think we've, I think we've talked about that to, to, it was just, Joe had included the clip of ginger saying something about Alyssa playing the victim, but we really haven't been talking about the victim stuff. So I figured I'd just move on. Okay. Um, so the comedy challenge, which was the, the team. So we had five teams, no four teams and then a single performer. So the eliminated Queens were able to choose which one of the remaining Queens that they would pair up with in reverse elimination order so the teams were uh Alyssa picked alaska i'm i'm lost here uh ginger picked ginger. katya all right yeah ginger picked katya uh tatiana picked detox and then uh coco picked fifi and i heard someone this week i think i don't know if it was on after buzz or whatever it's like why would she pick fifi but it's like consistency again she's pissed off at roxy andrews right for eliminating her so she doesn't want to pick her do you think that the producers, when she said, I'll take Fifi, I went, because that was a missed opportunity to have drama between the two of them? Possibly. Somebody Possibly. in the in the, in the the booth was going, please pick Roxy, please pick Roxy, please pick Roxy. 
could have been. And then Roxy got to do her, her solo thing. And we can play clips from these if we want to. We're not do, were any of the routines funny to you? Because I'm going to be perfectly honest and tell you that I, none of the routines were hilarious to me. They were, there was a couple of, eh. I think Tatiana and detox was probably the funniest to me. Um, I didn't get the Alyssa and Alaska thing the first time I watched it. Yeah. Watching it the second time and watching it with Babalu, who loves Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he laughed through the entire thing. It was funnier when you realize what she was doing at that point. Obviously, right. they condensed it down to like a two minute thing for TV. Not, but that yeah. probab- Not even but, two minutes. It was like 45 seconds of, of right. material. Yeah. Right. But they, but with that point, they, you know, over the course of it was they did a five or a 10 minute set or whatever, where she just constantly was doing the yeah. bam, yeah. ouch, burn. That probably built over time. It was much funnier, which is why you got these huge laugh and responses. Um, I thought that the Coco Fifi thing was just kind of <laughs> sad and slightly racist. <laughs> I slightly, I mean, really racist, but whatever. And, um, who was like, Ginger and Katya? Ginger and Katya could have been much funnier. They talked about a connection as far as costumes. Yeah. I thought that if there was some sort of connection between the two of them, that could have been, that could have escalated to at least the top two. But it just felt very much where they were so both so focused on hitting hitting the punchline with their jokes that they weren't connecting with each other, which right. I find interesting because, you know, they're BFFs. Right. Uh, they are. Yeah. Ginger is uh, Katya's BFF. Um, there's absolutely no contention about that whatsoever. <laughs> the this was the point that I hated. Right. This is what I was talking about with the the tomfoolery with the editing stuff. You know, like going out to a break, showing us one joke bombing and then coming back from break and showing us that exact same joke playing really well to the crowd that and then also realizing from watching Katya's YouTube channel and from the Michelle Vachage interview with Fifi O'Hara, where where she basically complimented Fifi on that whole skit that she did with Coco. And she's like going like, oh, it was just different. It was it was it was really funny. It was just like it was it wasn't stand up. It's like you guys told a story that was really funny. But um, it it just wasn't stand up, which is you know blah blah blah. I mean, it got a it got a huge reaction from the crowd. This is what Michelle is saying. But mm-hmm. and I think what it is is that it just didn't lend itself to editing, right? It didn't lend. It was probably a five minute skit that in its entirety might have made you laugh a little bit, but was just impossible to cut down into forty five seconds. Because I will. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that's what I'm saying. It was just like yeah, and, yeah. And I will give this to Fifi. I think that between this, the way she acted with the with her, her chola thing yeah. going on, yeah. and being Nomi last week, she is a good actress. Mm-hmm. You know, I use I use rabbit ears with good, but I mean, compared to the way some of the other queens are in that, I mean, she is somebody that in that regards is enjoyable to watch. She was much better than Coco, but I understand that they had to right. put the queens that are there in the, you know. <laughs> But, she could have pulled someone from the crowd. She could have pulled MKD from the crowd there. <laughs> Nicole Page Brooks. <laughs> um, There's always time for a co-star. That's, that's my Miss Kasha Davis uh, joke. Right. But I, I that, that is one thing that I do think that in that regards, there was, I think, I, that's why I can see why she may have been surprised that she was in the bottom. But I almost think that it was really kind of Coco at that point that put her in the bottom regarding that and the fact that they did something different and i liked the fact that she said we were trying to do something like a saturday night live skit we wanted to do something different 
And in that regards, I appreciate and respect the fact that they took a chance. Yeah. But that being said, it wasn't necessarily funny. I, it, it was the, it was right. the one joke with the Doritos or with the cheese, mm-hmm. the cheese puffs or whatever. And then that seemed to be everything else was very, you could see the jokes coming a mile away because we've seen them on other comedies right. and other stand up over the time. Yeah. Yeah. These are not comedy writers or whatever. Yeah. I, I just think that it was, I think their biggest sin that they created was making something that didn't lend itself to editing, right? Like rapid mm. fire, like detox and Tatiana, where they're just making joke after joke after joke lends itself really well to editing, right? Cause you can tell 25 jokes and I can cut the five biggest reacting ones and string them together and make it look like you're a genius. Right. But if you're telling a story like Katya and ginger or Coco in uh Fifi, that's harder to edit into a small package because you're, you're relying on callbacks and stuff to things that you've yeah. already established. Uh, so, and I know that Katya felt like, at least on her YouTube channel, she felt like her comedy routine, you know, that, you know, the crowd really loved it. And I know that Katya is a very freeform kind of crazy, you know, if you've ever seen her YouTube channel before, she's, she's funny to watch. She's, she goes off on wild ass tangents, but they're not, they're not s- small. <laughs> it's like her, her trademark is just stringing together a whole bunch of things and not stopping and just keep, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that lends itself to, to micro editing, uh, as it were. I feel like I've talked too much on this anyway. I feel, no, I feel like well, I've, okay. Yeah. And kind of going back to the one, I mean, you were talking about the edit of the going to commercial with yes. the one response. One time that they didn't do that is when Alyssa Edwards called Michelle Visage a beast mm-hmm. and Michelle Visage looked genuinely offended. <laughs> And then when they came back from commercial, she still had that look. When they did that, she sort of had this look like, why are you calling me a beast? Which I don't get that whole monster, Gila monster beast. That must be I think it's, drag speak. Yeah, that I, don't I think it's something but. that has happened over the years on the road, you know, because they all travel together and do this all stars battle of the seasons or, you know, the not all stars. They do the RuPaul's battle of the seasons, which is a traveling show that Michelle uh, MCs and goes around with them and does this stuff. So they do this in all different cities all, all around. It's, it's a rotating cast of all the, the previous Rustar, RuPaul girls. But yeah, it's probably something there. It's probably something that has developed, you know, have you, I mean, you've ever been in a play before? Like you, you kind of have that whole backstage jokes that go on with the people that you're doing the play with, right? You know, yeah, making fun of something in the play or some stupid prop that looks in a certain way. It's just some joke that you and the people that do this night after night after night get. That doesn't necessarily translate into somebody else. I think that's what this whole beast Gila monster kind of thing is. But then why show that? Because, I, I because the audience laughed it up because the audience are all a bunch of drag queens that travel around and do that show with them, right? I, so, I get that, but I'm sure there's other inside jokes that they wouldn't think to show because it wouldn't play. I don't know. That, that's just yeah. a. Yeah, I think, I think, I think honestly, I think it was played to, you know, cause Alaska and, and Alyssa were one of the two winners of the challenge. They had to show the crowd laughing. Right. So they could, yeah. you know, it may have been that the other ones didn't get that big of a laugh, uh, but I don't know. I, I This 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 whole thing, I, I feel I feel the slippery slope that I've created in talking about editing and I and I apologize for it. I feel like I should go buy some hiking boots. <laughs> I have clips from the comedy routines. Do I need to play any of them or am I good or no. did, are there any particular? <laughs> yeah, I didn't care to really necessarily uh, revisit them. That being said, uh, let's get to the actual critiques that. uh happened from the judges on the main stage the judges gave roxy their opinion of her performance during the show i thought your entrance was strong and then it was like someone took the needle off the record with a with a, with a glory hole right 
and some of the jokes just didn't land. Then you enlisted the help of Tasha Salad, which you get kudos for, but you were the only one who was solo. You really could have stolen the show from everybody. I don't think that would have happened. Uh, Taylor, what did you think of Roxy's performance as the MC? Uh, okay. Well, uh, two images, two thoughts came to mind. One, it, it was uncomfortable to watch. It was. Because, uh, when she came out as the head of lettuce or toss ta- salad ta- or toss whatever it was. Salad, yes. So uh, that, that started off strong. And I thought, okay, that was smart that she changed, she changed it up. She realized that she was bombing the other way. The, when she came out at the end to thank everybody for coming, how, and you will understand this reference and our other, how Joey Brooks, Esme Russell at the end of a drag show attracts was that? Yeah. Where she came out with the saunter, with the microphone, with the hands yeah. out and everything. It was very Florida drag queen to me. And I appreciated that. It was. That's so, the best moment. Leave them yeah. smiling is that's what I like to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know how long her MC routine went on. She had note cards in front of her. So we don't know how much more routine she gave them or whether we just got to see the bad parts or not. But yeah. Like I said, I completely distrusted the editing on this entire section, so I'm not the greatest person to 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 mess with that. Fifi O'Hara back back on the main stage. The judges had something to say about Fifi O'Hara. Up next, Coco Montrese and Fifi O'Hara. Coco, I think your makeup looks fantastic. And Fifi, I turn up for anybody with a shenanay nail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will say you had some funny jokes in there, but for me, it turned into like a scene study. Instead of a comedy routine. Yeah, we wanted to go a different route, like that SNL skit type of thing instead of just stand up. I, I get it, but it turned into more of like an after school special. Mm, okay. Do you, do you think she actually lit the bed on fire and then got into it? That, that was never an after school special, was it? No, the burning bed? <laughs> yeah, the burning no, bed. No, God, fire. that wasn't an after school special. <laughs> Jesus. No, Farrah Fawcett lighting her husband on fire back in 1983. No, that was never something that you watched after social studies class. On Channel 6 in Philadelphia. No. Wow. The only after school special I remember was Scott Bayo was addicted to drugs in one. Oh, I don't care. I, I watched any of them with Willie Ames or Scott Bayo because I had absolute crushes on both of those. And I remember Scott yeah. Bayo at one point was laying in a bed and I think he didn't have a shirt on and he had like rainbow sheets where it was like really oh. wide. Like it was white sheets, but it had like ra- oh. a rainbow across the t- And I always remember... Like, uh, Scott Bayo laying in a bed. And I was like nine at the time. So, cause he was probably about 15 or 16. Actually, no, he was probably much older than that, but he was playing a 15 or 16 year old. Right. He was 32 playing a 15 year old. No, I had no idea how old he was. Well, okay. But you, actually, you know how old he was because you figure if that was like 1983, you said on your show this week, cause he just had a birthday That's that he's 56. That's right. So 56 minus 33. He was like 22. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, we're off the rails. We, we're totally, but it's fine. It's Scott Baio when he was back before he was a crazy ass Donald Trump supporter. Back before, you know, back when he was after school special specials and giving podcasters their first erection. That's what I was gonna say. When <laughs> back when he was after school special slash masturbatory material, Scott Baio, uh, for young homosexuals everywhere. Uh, anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Something about, uh, Fifi. What, how did we get off onto the Scott Bayo about Fifi? Cause we were talking about after school special. Okay. After school, after school it, special. It, this is why we need Joe Patance, by the way. This is totally why we need totally why we need him off the, all right. So yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't think anything there was said that I haven't like said about my rant about Fifi where yeah. she, she tried to, but I think it's very consistent of her character, right? That was what she did last week in the acting challenge. She, I want to do this. I want to play the older character and you play the younger character because it's different. 
So Fifi had it in her hand that if you take risks and you do things different, that they're going to pay off because she's seen other seasons of All Stars or other seasons of Drag Race. The problem, yeah. I think that I think the 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 sin that she committed here was doing something different, too different to be edited correctly for TV. Um, blah blah blah. And uh, what's this next? Then it just says deliberation. During the workroom deliberations, Fifi spent some time alone. Oh, okay. So those are the only two. Those are the bottom two critiques that we got there in the runway. So Fifi, yeah. Roxy are in the bottom two. Now we're back in the workroom where uh, who's it switched to? It switched to this week to Alyssa and Tatiana are the two power. They're the two that get to lip sync. Right. They're the two that get to decide who goes home. Mm-hmm. So during the workroom, workroom deliberations, Fifi spent some time alone with Tatiana in attempt to plead her case. So how's it going? What, how are you feeling? You know what? Uh, Alyssa and I had a talk and she was like, do you want to be here? And I was like, yes, of course. Obviously I fucking want to be here. At the same time, like I don't want to beg. I was only in the bottom once and every week I've been getting better and better and better and I won last week. I think honestly, I fucking killed it tonight. So I was like, all right, we did it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're on the top again. You guys are funny up there. I was worried about the detox thing. I'm going to be honest with you. It was really hard to hear what detox is saying because of the accent. <laughs> Well, what are you trying to do there, girl? <laughs> it was really good. But, like, you couldn't hear anything that Detox was saying. But she told Detox, you were funny, but Tatiana wasn't very funny. Ooh, bitch. Fifi is playing a little motherfucking game. You better be changing. Oh, I will. Yeah. Trust right. and believe. I'll do it. <laughs> hey, I totally enjoy Fifi. She's become a really good friend. But if you're going to play a game, girl, play it right. <laughs> Taylor Latte Boy. I'm sorry, my phone went off. <laughs> no, what do you think of... Uh, um, I think that this is... She can't help herself. She just can't help herself. Taylor, and Taylor. Yeah? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I heard your cell phone go off. It completely ruined the podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, I was just going to let it go because we're good friends. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it's not like Joe Batan. It's not like... He scooted up with a Skype I'm, or anything. I'm going to be pretty... I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Joe Batan's? Couldn't even stick out the entire fucking show. But you know, you're but gonna, you were funny. You're gonna change. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna change for lip sync, right? <laughs> right, right, right. You're yeah. gonna change before the talk out, right? Oh, okay. I love. How much do I love Tatiana for this? It's just like this. this oh, when when she does the girl, like I was like, <laughs> yes, you get it. You totally get what she's doing. I mean, it is Larry Flick referred to it as she's a sociopath, which I don't necessarily agree with that. That being said, this is one of these that she can't get the fuck out of her own way here. It, it's just not possible. So anything that she says as far as with editing, all that kind of stuff, it may be true. But yeah. again, don't give them the evidence they need to prove their case. Yeah, exactly. Back in the main stage after the deliberations, RuPaul brought back one of her favorite sayings. The time has come. For you to not only lip sync for your legacy, but to lip sync for your life. God, I've been saying that! After a lip sync for the ages, RuPaul delivered her final decision. With great power comes great responsibility. Alyssa, which queen have you chosen to get the chop? I think you're both great entertainers and competitors however tonight i chose to feel here to go home tatiana this was a really difficult decision to make but with that said i went with fifi o'hara 
As it is written, so it shall be done. Fifi O'Hara, you are an all-star. Now, sashay away. Love you. Fuck them bitches up. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. <laughs> Bye. Oh, love you. Mwah. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Fifi, I tried to hug you though. You know what? It's always okay to make mistakes and just know that you can always grow from them. It's never the end. You can always start over. Love you all. Fifi O'Hara. Jump in a car. <laughs> <laughs> it was not funny. Honestly, I don't feel I deserve to be eliminated. Tatiana's decision, eh, she hasn't been here, so it doesn't really surprise me. But um, Alyssa, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hypocritical. She always tells people it's about consistency, and then you're going to get rid of me when I've only been in the bottom once. Roxy, three times, but you know what? Let's be real. I fucking killed it. Do I get this? I could at least sell this thing for like $10,000. <laughs> wow, there was a lot of stuff in that. Uh, for those of you who didn't actually see the episode... A lot of that, uh, what you were hearing there was basically Fifi walking off the stage and hugging each and every single queen there, except for Alyssa Edwards. When Alyssa tried to hug her, she's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then, uh, yeah, walked away. Uh, Taylor Latte Boy. So much to talk about. (laughs) Um, First of all, uh, one thing that we haven't talked about that actually I had in my mental notes is we didn't talk about how it was like about seven or eight days, but Coco managed to age about 15 years in the course of those two days. (laughs) I mean, somebody was serving some Cicely Tyson realness up in a lot of those interviews. That's something that I meant to say earlier, and then we got with all the the Skype issues and everything. But a couple of things come to mind. One, when they said that both of them got the opportunity. Well, let's talk about the lip sync. Let's talk about the lip sync first. Okay. The lip sync was amazing. That being said, I think Tatiana should have won between the two. Yes. Because. I, I agree with that. The way I can best describe it is. Tatiana is going to the bar at 10 o'clock to Alyssa's still being at the bar at three (laughs) o'clock. Like that was, you know, I I get there was a lot of, I was, yeah. Tatiana was more surgically precise and it looked like a routine that she had put together. Whereas Alyssa's was like more like a butcher knife. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. 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 A scalpel versus a hacksaw. That's, 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 Now, they both had their pros, they both had their cons, but that is, it was where you were watching it like, what the, because I mean, even like the death drops and stuff, the first one, she looks like she tripped. I know. It looked like she tripped and she just kind of saved herself. And the other one she kind of bounced on. It was just like that. (laughs) So, you know, but that being said, and I I said, I hate to keep saying, I said this on Larry Flick, but I don't get to say that very often. So it, it looked as though the two were very they were competing against each other but there seemed to be a level of respect between the two of them where nobody ever got up in anybody's face they seemed to share the stage and recognize okay you're going to go here so i'm going to be over at this point and even like kind of matching each other for dance moves at certain points it it was it was fun to watch it it was a fun thing to watch yeah no Um, had i watched it in a club i definitely would have been standing there with dollar bills like uh, yeah yeah I, even the fact that they kind of, kind of wore the same outfit, but just one was in white and gold, the other was in black. I don't know if that, it, it felt like they were saying to each other, do you still have that outfit? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's go out, let's go out and matching things. So that was, that was very cool. It felt very Spice Force 5 for those of you who know the movie Spice World. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it felt like. 
So, um, yeah, I don't know if you noticed the other winning couple had matching outfits as well. Uh, Alyssa and Alaska were both wearing red, all red outfits, um, with, with like, uh, you know, obviously Alaska was in a gown and Alyssa had more yeah. of a, a pantsuit like thing, but it was like, yeah, they were both in. So it was like, that was the, the one thing that set apart the, the two winning couples is that they both like were dressed very similar to each other. I was just like, really? Is this the fashion mm-hmm. challenge? And I, you mentioned this before we started taping that you had noticed it after the third time and I watched it as well. It was, this was one of these that while it was fun to watch them, it was fun to watch the, queens in the background yes because they were all yes. clearly enjoying this yes Alyssa, so. uh, alaska was standing right there wearing Alyssa's fake glasses mm-hmm. um and then sitting there just dancing along and clapping along and, and stuff back there was I, I saw that on reddit and then when i watched it the third time I, I was specifically watching for it and a lot of the queens were back there like dancing along in the back yeah so that was so fun to watch. getting to when tatiana won that seemed there seemed to be a lot of just genuine emotion on that yeah, stage yeah. When she won and she had her head down and she said her name, that was, that, that was nice to watch. The fact that they kept the camera on Alyssa when that there wasn't a cutaway. They never went back to RuPaul. It was where she was looking down. She was clearly sad. And she said, Alyssa Edwards, you are also. Yeah. Th- that was nice to watch that as far as again, talking about the editing. That was a nice shot to watch that. And yeah, I, we- I, it was I doubly appreciate- nice. It was doubly nice because the two bottom queens were right behind her in frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yes. And that might have been what that was. I was getting to that. The Fifi O'Hara, the look on her face was, fuck, I can't, I, what's happening? I don't understand what's happening. What's going on? My baby, my job, my baby, my job, you know, yeah. um, when they said you both have the power yeah. and they called out Fifi, there's something very just completely tragic as I've talked about, but the fact that Fifi went home in that outfit with those nails, with the beat makeup on the side of her face, she just looked like a clown that had been in a car accident. And I think it just added insult to injury. Um, when they thought that when Roxy could have possibly gone home and Tati had done hers, that was, that looked like genuine fear on Roxy's face. And that was that, that little second where she's standing there watching like, okay, this, this is it. This might be it. This might be it was, was difficult to watch too, because at that point, I mean, RuPaul was changing up all the rules and you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen next. So it really could have been that they, the two of them replaced Roxy and Fifi at that point. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, Roxy even said, uh, oh, wait. So if they both if they each have one of our names, we're both going home. Um, the, the thing I wanted to the thing that also stood out on me after watching it a couple of times is, you know, just the whole Fifi focus on can I sell this for ten thousand dollars? It's like she and it, and it kind of triggered in me. It's like, that's right. She has been abnormally obsessed with winning money during this competition but wasn't she at the mirror one week saying look let's be honest we're gonna make this money outside of this do you not remember that i mean i don't remember that i mean i remember the mirror thing but i i kind of remember that yeah i do it was just kind of like for her to make that you know that impassioned plea of like look the ten thousand dollars isn't important because we're we'll make that after the fact you know well but this is this is a show that increasingly, and this season in particular, is you mentioned that it's a very meta show. And it I is, think yeah. at this point, as this show has gone on and on, and they haven't really – this is the most that this show has ever deviated from the formula. Mm-hmm. And you've got people that return, and even though it's deviated from the formula, they still know what to expect yeah. on some level. When new contestants with season seven, eight, when season nine, they know what to expect 
at this point, and they know that really all I have to do is get on the show, and that gives me name recognition to where I can go to different clubs that would have never hired me before yeah. or or released an album and nobody would have ever bought it. So in that regards, it's it's like look at Magnolia Crawford on the on season seven. She said, "I I don't care if I go home in the first episode. I'm here for the publicity." You know, which we see how well that did for her. <laughs> right, but exactly. Still. It, it, it's one of those that the show has just become so much about life afterwards. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I mean, you can make that joke about Magnolia Crawford, but I know who she is. And you could name a, a drag queen that's working in St. Petersburg right now that I wouldn't. I would have no idea who that queen was. I could tell you, like Robin Banks here in Connecticut. You would have no idea who that is because that's, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like it definitely does give you to a you know a nationwide audience. And it definitely – there are clubs that – uh, you know, have a circuit, right? There's, there's like the, the local club here in Providence, Rhode Island that, you know, uh, there's a RuPaul girl there almost every week. I mean, they just cycle them through They're It's like that's, that is their thing. They're a drag club. They have one of those drag queens here every week. Uh, senior frog here in New York city, uh, has, you know, drag like Fifi O'Hara is doing the drag brunch this coming Sunday where she's gonna, you know, it's like they, they constantly have the RuPaul girls there. You almost never see any other drag queens listed. Other than RuPaul Drag Queens. So it definitely is a a source to an income, right? A source to a, uh, you know, it's like being on an episode of Star Trek, right? You can do those conventions for, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, all right. Written here in the script, it says, are there any final thoughts on the episode? This is the place for anything not mentioned above. I I think we've, I think we've Beat done this it. face to death. <laughs> we've killed this i mean it's like from the solo show and the larry flick show and uh you know just the fact that we now don't put out our show until almost the new episode is out i think everyone's heard everything it's like yeah i think i think we're good larry on larry flick show he brought up a point that could be considered controversial on this show Mm -hmm. but we and and the first part of the show that i was on with him he talked about the fact that he goes we're going to talk about the show as is and I feel like sometimes we take it too seriously. And I, that resonated with me because I love this show. I loved, and I love doing this podcast with the two of you. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are times that we get, where we get so into the minutiae of things. And I think I used that word right, but I might not have. And if no, I didn't, did. that's okay. Did. Yeah. That it almost takes away from the experience for me in that I, I, I want to enjoy it. I, how do I say this? I, I want to enjoy it. You like want to enjoy I, it as it's presented, but but I know too much now. Right? Yeah, I feel yeah, like exactly. I feel like I know too much. It's I like a magic trick. It like it's I, like it's ma- you you want to enjoy the card trick, but you know how it's done, so you can't get away from you. You no longer can get that joy of like amazement of of oh he just pulled the ace out from behind his ear. How did he do that? Like once you right. know how that trick is done. Even if they do it perfectly and you don't see the palm, you don't see the, you know, the maneuver to, to hide the card or whatever, you still know how it's done and you will never again get that series of one, that feeling of wonder. Of like, right. Oh. When I was a, when I was a kid and watched Superman the movie. Right. I recognized that there were special effects, but he looked like he flies. Now that I can see it in HD and you can see the wires <laughs> when Superman, it takes away from the experience on some level. Yeah. Now, and that's not me, that's not me trashing the show. That's me like, Trashing my own I get it. But you point, know what? But... I, I listened to you guys on Larry Flick when I was driving up to go camping this past weekend. And I actually was going to call in on the, the voicemail number. I mean, mm-hmm. on their, they have a call in number that's displayed on your serious radio as you're driving. It's mm-hmm. like, 
I want to say it's like one eight five five ew I was so tempted to call in, but I would have had to stop listening to do it because I was going to call in and see if I could, you know, get on the air to ask a question. I was going to be a completely fake name, but I was going to ask you guys what it was like to work with such a, uh, a professional like Daniel Brewer. <laughs> we would have seen right through that. So I'm just as saying, soon as you they, said professional like Daniel Brewer, we would have gone, anyone Daniel? Out there, if anyone out there wants to call into the Larry Flick show on a given Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time when Joe Batanz is a guest on there, that is the question to ask. Joe, what's it like to work with such a consummate professional like Daniel Brewer? Consummate uh, professional. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, as opposed to a consomme professional. Who just, I was going to say, isn't that a broth? <laughs> <laughs> who just enjoys soup. Um, yeah, no, I think we've beat this horse up. But I get what you're saying. And... When I heard Larry Flick say, let's take this episode as presented, the first thing that went through my mind is, is like, but they fuck around with the editing so blatantly that it's so hard to take it as presented. I don't trust what they're selling me as, as having happened, right? It's like, you see it all the time on this show where it's like, they, they send a clip out, like say what you will about Survivor or the Amazing Race or whatever, or any other reality show, but when they tease what's coming up after the commercial, it's not like they're going to show you someone getting their hand blown off, you know, like a, losing their hand with a machete on Survivor, and then you come back and like, oh, well, I just missed hitting my hand with the, you know, it's like they're going to show you what's going, you know, mm-hmm. whatever hype they're building will be followed through on after the commercial break. And I feel like Drag Race doesn't do that. They often do the exact opposite of that. They build up the the expectation that something is going to bomb and then it doesn't. Yeah. And I, and I guess at this point, it's just because if you go back and watch you know, season two and season three and stuff when it was, like you know, Raja and Sharon Needles and stuff, they were doing the same thing. It just wasn't we didn't have a podcast where we talked right. about it at nauseum at that time. That might be the difference. Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's no, not them. Maybe well, it's no. us. I think a lot of it is, is that. You know, Drag Race started off, it's very, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go so off in the weeds here. God, I hope you follow me. Drag Race has become the insane clown posse. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Only from the standpoint that the insane clown posse, you know, I remember seeing this on a PBS special a long time ago where it's like they're, they're anti-establishment. They're so, they're counterculture, right? But as they become more popular in counterculture, they basically become part of the culture. So they they become part of the machine that they were initially railing against. And I think we're at that really weird spot in Drag Race history here where they have become mainstream enough that we don't recognize the fact that Drag Race started as a lampoon of reality shows, right? That's why they do things that are so over the top. That's why they, you know, they were poking fun at the medium while also participating in that medium. Um, and yet now it's become mainstream enough that we're losing the fact that they're making fun of the medium. And we're like, wait, you're just fucking, you know, you know, saying we're, we're starting to take them seriously, even though somewhere in their heart, somewhere at the, at the kernel of them starting, they were trying to lampoon this. And now it's just become accepted. I don't, you see what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even know yeah. if the people producing the show realize that they're supposed to be lampooning or if they're just doing things because that's the traditional way they did them. But it started off as a parody of reality shows and now has become a reality show. Yeah, I think in the early seasons, it was they were looking to be America's next drag superstar. Now they're looking for publicity. Right. You know, if you watch and I know that we talked about this before, I think, or we might have talked about this privately. If you if you go back to the first season of Big Brother on CBS, which mm-hmm. was 
seven years ago. It, and, it it, was, and it was the British version brought to America. So the, the right, the, it was the public all voted. normal. Yeah. yeah, it was all normal people of various shapes and sizes and, and various ages, various you know uh, races, that kind of stuff. And I watched that season. I was hooked on that season. And everybody says that season was super boring. And then for whatever yeah, reason, the, I at the end it was. But yeah, that was the season with Chicken George and the yeah the, Chicken George and the guy with one leg the, that won. Eddie, and, Eddie, the guy with one leg that won, Eddie. and Josh, my crush on that show. Uh, I remember seeing naked pictures of him. Exactly, pictures of him in the shower that season. So exactly. back on the, like, I think that almost might have been AOL days. I don't think it was quite mm-hmm. AOL anymore, but whatever. But then over time, they changed to where I think it was you that told me that pretty much everybody that's on that show, it's like they have an agent before they even start. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, there's no one on that show that doesn't have an agent beforehand. It's like, uh, they, they have that. And I know, you know, because every comedian in the world has a podcast. So I listen to mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts from comedians. And I remember back when they had that reality show of America's Next comic or whatever they called it what was last it? comic standing last comic standing mm-hmm. one of the comedians that i listened to was so excited because he was going to go down there and try out and he goes down there and he's like you know we were standing in line we were there at 6 a.m in the morning we're standing in line we're near the beginning of the convention center and you know they they come out after the sun's up like you know 10 or 11 o'clock you know they come out with the camera crew they're like are you all excited and we're all like woo you know and you, and you see that on the show like this huge line of people waiting to go into audition Mm-hmm. that has that line you know they're all excited and you see all those great shots but he's just like then it you know around four o'clock we still hadn't made it to the door and they're like all right we're done seeing people for the day you know sorry you guys are gonna have to go home so it's basically he just stood in line all day long from six o'clock in the morning never got in to actually try out and a friend of his made it on the show i think it was jim norton that made it on the show because he had to drop out but this guy mm-hmm. was a friend of jim norton's and he was just basically like Wait, how did you get on the show? Oh yeah, my agent set up a, 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 you know, a tryout for them like the next day. It's like, so most of the people on Last Comic Standing never went through any kind of public, you know, when, when you see them come in and, and perform in front of the final judges on that like selection show, or whatever, that was a uh-huh. prearranged, there's no crowd of people outside all waiting to come in. That was like some other day and it's like once you know that and you start watching these other reality shows where they have those things like you know america's got talent and uh the voice and not so much the voice but because they don't show that but uh what was the other one american idol or whatever where you any of those shows where you see those big crowds you know well there's no way that those four main judges are going to sit there and watch ten thousand people audition right they're clearly auditioning in front of other judges and other people who are passing them through uh, which eliminates the whole idea that why would this guy that can't sing actually make it all the way to being in front of Simon Cowell unless the fact that he, you know, he's just there for comic relief, right? It's like there was yeah. no expectation. It's probably even written on their sheets. Like this guy's a dud. Let's do the yeah. duds now. You know, I'm all over the road, aren't I? But you are, we are kind of all over the place. Again, we need Joe Batanz. <laughs> but I think there was a kernel of something I was trying to say in there, which is just that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all manufactured. We get that it's manufactured, but I think that Drag Race is starting to hit that point now where they don't quite know whether to take themselves seriously or still try to, and I don't think that they know. I don't think that they know which way they want to go at this point in time. But I do want to talk about this one final thing, Taylor Latte Boy, before we move on. Okay. Logo made the decision this week to not simulcast on VH1. Uh, according to our industry insiders, AKA Larry Fleck. Um, it was done because Logo wanted to boost the ratings to Finding Prince Charming, which comes on after Drag Race. 
So oh. they figured that since <laughs> they figured that since this episode of Drag Race with the returning queens was going to be the most popular one that people were going to watch, that people would just stay on that channel and watch Finding Prince Charming afterwards. So they didn't want it to be on VH1 because they wanted all eyes to be focused on Logo to try to boost through their ratings. Apparently, How'd that work out for them? Apparently, a major backfire. Apparently, I looked at the overnight ratings this past week, like the top 100 rated cable shows. Mm-hmm. They're not on the top 100 uh, cable shows, so I can't speak as to where they actually placed. But I will give you a hint. One of the shows on the top 100 shows is a rerun of King of the Hill. Oh. <laughs> which had five. Now, are you talking about Drag Race or Finding Prince Charming? Either. I'm just saying Either. neither oh, show, oh. neither show ended up in the, the rerun of King of the Hill had 510,000 viewers. So, so both shows had less than a half million viewers. Where was, where was Drag Race last week? It wasn't, it's never been in the it's top It's never 100. been in the top It's 100. like, yeah, Logo, okay. Logo gets really shitty. You know, it's like when you see those untucked on YouTubes that are getting like a million views or whatever. That's people watching them multiple times. I actually don't even think it's ever gotten to a million views. I think it's around 300,000 or 400,000 views per untucked on, on YouTube. But it's like, that's about the, the audience of Logo is, you know, 250, 300,000 people. So this isn't a huge mainstream thing. Uh, but apparently it will be back on VH1 this week. So it, once, if you have VH1 HD, you, you, congratulations, you get Drag Race back this week. I just wanted to say that. I just, okay. Who's running Logo? Like some 80-year-old woman that thinks that people still watch live TV? Like when well, was the last time you ever watched live TV and just left the, the TV on to watch the next show? I haven't in a very long time. I was a cord cutter from a long way back. So it's very – the only time I watch live TV is if I'm in somebody else's house and it happens to be on. That's really the only time. Yeah, the only time I watch live TV or like last night for the political debates or uh, like let's say like if I'm – watching an award show and i feel like tweeting out with people you know like i'm i went to an an, an emmy's watching party or an oscar watching party and i'm watching it there mm-hmm. or drag race which i watched in a bar but that's just me we didn't watch finding prince charming afterwards in the bar by the way just in case you're curious uh i'm going to completely i wasn't <laughs> all right we're going to completely skip over email because we are doing a show later this week where we do email and we do not have that many emails so i am happy to read all of those and respond to all of those emails on the solo show coming up uh, this week. Actually, it's a split solo show because Joe and I are reversing. So I did the the first response last week and he read the email this week. He'll be doing the first response and I'll be reading the email. Um, and that was just a scheduling thing that we, that we had to do. Um, he has written here stitcher announcements. I don't know what the stitcher announcement is. We're on stitcher radio now. Oh, well, great. <laughs> We're on <laughs> stitcher radio. You can find us on stitcher radio. That's I, I, he said something in the in our group about that in our little group chat. I thought okay, or that he was going to. You know, oh, what? Yeah, let he, me confirm that. I'm going to look. No, the group you know what? I re- I recall him calling me while I was driving the other day, asking what the feed address was because he was trying to submit it to Stitcher. But that's fine. It's fine. Oh 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 um okay. Uh, former Israeli president and prime minister Shimon Peres has died. Do I get do I get to count that on your celebrity death phone for dubious <laughs> intent? As those of you who don't listen to my podcast, dubious intent, we have a celebrity death phone that comes in. Uh, where if you, if the, if a celebrity dies and you're first person to call in and you, you'd have to call us. It's, it's 1057. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. <laughs> hey guys, it's Taylor the Latte Boy with the celebrity death phone. Former Israeli Prime Minister Perez, Perez, Perez has died. It's 1057 PM. So in case somebody else calls, I want credit for it. Okay. Uh, thank okay, you. Great. Continue. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I don't even know where we're at with it. I've, I haven't looked at PicPeat <laughs> since I was pissed off with their interface last week. I haven't gone back to them. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't even talk about PicPeat. Uh, what's our fantasy league update, Taylor Latte fa- Boy? Let me look that up. I probably should have had that up. Uh, I, I have it all figured out, though. I do have it tabulated. Okay, great. So right now, Adore Delano, one. <laughs> Alaska, 14. <laughs> Alyssa Edwards, 16. Coco Montrese, negative one. Uh, Detox, three. Ginger Minge, negative one. Katya, four. Yay! Fifio, Fifi O'Hara, four. Roxy Andrews, seven. And Tatiana, ten. I am so glad that when I came up with the criteria, I put in returning queen, which each of the returning queens got five points this week. Oh, nice. So the final tally between the two teams is right now, Daniel, you are at 14. And Joe is at 23 points. Ooh. So So you're catching up a little bit. I'm catching up with Joe and Mike. With those, yes. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's the joke. Uh, let's skip over the listener contest this week. Just be, uh, by the way, you won last week. Sarah, you definitely, uh, like, yes. uh, was the, the person that contacted us first. Uh, thank you, Sarah. And then there's this thing. There's this talk up. Do we want to do the talk up thing? Uh, sure. Let's do the talk up thing. All right. You won last week. So you get to choose who goes first, but I've got, I've got a thing to play that takes us into it. Prior to tonight's recording, you were asked to prepare a radio talk-up for the song used for last week's lip-sync for your legacy. Daniel, Taylor, the time has come for you to talk up for your legacy. Good luck. Don't fuck it up. Taylor, who's going first? You or me? I'll go first. You have 14 seconds. You ready? Yeah. I will point. Taylor Latte Boy here at WRDRR. It is 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. We are talking about the syphilis clinic that will be open this Wednesday. Speaking of syphilis, here's Rihanna with Shut Up and Drive. Could have done another second or two. But. Could have done another second or two. Let's see. Wait, what am I doing? I've got this wrong thing. I've got to find the show. Wait, there. There you are. I had to find the song. It's just like, wait, it's playing somewhere and I don't know where it's at. Uh, I was trying to do something. I was trying to go to the uh, 14, 14 seconds. All right. Yeah. You're on WRDR, Daniel Brewer. Hey, by the way. Shimon Perez died in 93. Uh, guy that built up the Israel defense thing. We'll talk about it later. Okay, you can see where it is, though. I couldn't see the 14. I, could, I, I still couldn't do it. I'm playing with buttons here, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was just saying. I, because I had a lead-in. You had a big lead-in at the beginning, I and I just had a couple of seconds at the end. I call shenanigans. There was no shenanigans. shenanigans. I just I didn't know what to say at first, and so I let it play a little bit. Ah, that's perfectly cromulent. It's a perfectly cromulent thing to do, Taylor the Latte Boy, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, cromulent? It was a Simpsons reference. Anyway. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing else. I got nothing. I feel like Fifi O'Hara right now. I'm already making excuses why I didn't win. It was the editing. No, Daniel made me stand in a certain spot and face the mirror. And then uh, when they showed up in the back, I just looked like I was, uh, didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I I don't don't know. You know what? I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. We're going to put a poll up on our Twitter account. I feel like we shouldn't even do this. 
I feel like you and I should just come up with a different poll. What's a good question that we can ask people? No, we, we should do it. It's it's neither one was great, so we'll see which which was more or less great than the other one. <laughs> All right. Well, just we keep did, it up the there. Pe- the people need a voice. The people need to have a voice right now <sighs> because wow. there's nothing else important going on that people need to vote about. <laughs> which one of us fucked up the intro more? That should be what people are. are that that should be on. You know. All right. Uh, now that I figured out how to use the polls on Twitter, it will run up until, uh, our, until Friday, <coughs> Saturday, I think. Yeah. It'll run in, until Saturday. So it'll run all the way up until we release our first response video. Uh, our uh, audio. Uh, why, why, ah, uh, here's the thing. How can Joe Batanz not have a fucking internet connection in, uh, it's just like, uh, how do you live? Well, let's both Fifi him and we'll just blame him for all the problems we had. Today. Even when I go camping in the middle of the Poconos Mountain, I have internet. It's just like, that's, it's just crazy. I don't see how people can live without the internet. Um, it, I, it's, it's possible. There are people in like Uganda and shit that live without the internet and they're fine. Well, actually, they're probably not fine unless they're the prince that's asking for your bank account. That, Niger- Is that Uganda? No, that's Nigeria. I love that wow. Nigerian prince. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there you go. Let's just play this and save ourselves. There is a horrible show on Logo called Finding Prince Charming. It's the gay version of The Bachelor. It's awful. Do not watch this show. Instead, listen to the Finding Prince Charming recap show as Daniel Brewer, Adam Burns, and I rip apart each week's episode. You can find it on iTunes and at charmingrecap.com. Want to know what Taylor the Latte Boy is up to at all times? He has his own podcast called Pod Is My Copilot, available on iTunes and at podismycopilot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at PIMC Taylor and also on Instagram at PIMC Taylor. You can find Daniel Brewer on his other podcast, Dubious Intent, available on iTunes and at dubiousintent.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel Brewer and Instagram at Daniel J. Brewer. I have another podcast called Catching Up. It's available on iTunes and at cupodcast.com. You can also catch me recapping RuPaul's Drag Race on one-on-one with Larry Flick on Sirius XM Radio every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105. Need to see what I'm eating? Follow me on Twitter at Joe Batance. That's J-O-E, B as in boy, E-T-A-N-C-E, and on Instagram at Joe Batance. And if you want to listen to the Finding Prince Charming recap uh, podcast, make sure you listen to it this coming week because it will be our final episode because this show sucks so bad. Uh, that concludes another episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Email us at rdrr at pride48.com. Follow us on Twitter at Drag Race Recap. Friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drag race recap and go to drag race recap.com for all of our old episodes. So for Taylor the Latte Boy, Joe Batance and myself, Daniel Brewer, sashay away until next week. This show is a proud member of the Pride 48 Podcasting Network. Check out other great podcasts at pride48.com slash shows. Mm-hmm.